there's up maniacs you're listening to another episode of the shop talk show i'm dave i'm not pressure rupert and with me is chris <laughs> i forget another uh whatever david uh what's his face's songs oh man i'm not here today hey chris how's it going <laughs> yeah a lot on your mind dave that's okay that's okay i'm just gonna throw stuff at you like complicated questions and then you just have to punch that's cool just them. just jam me the harder it is DDoS my whole entire brain yeah <laughs> but this will be yeah. this will, at least you won't have to solve like logic puzzles you'll just have to think generally okay i got so, a whiteboard i thought so we're doing yeah. youtubes now we should say we're doing youtubes over on the youtubes that's true css tricks youtube yeah i thought it would be really funny if i bought a whiteboard sort of like katie porter the uh the awesomest congresswoman ever and like did like whiteboard exams or something we could do like actual whiteboard exams that would be fun yeah we're trying to play with the format as much as we can you know yeah so oh yeah anyway whiteboards are getting hip you know oh ben uh what's ben's last name ben ben holmes yeah he has uh slinkity and he's doing a badass job of promoting slinkity using a whiteboard and i'm eternally jealous it's yeah, so nice. i remember watch seeing this it reminds me of this book website I, I think it was an author and they were trying to release a book but they didn't know how to make websites but they had a camera right and they could figure out like basically how anchor links work and you go to the website and it would just be marker on a whiteboard and you're looking at it and it was like hi i'm you know katie or something and you'd click it and it would just go to the next JPEG and it would be like, I mm-hmm. wrote a book called Cool Book. And you click it and it would go to the next JPEG. And it was just it was just a slideshow of of clicking JPEGs. And then they're like, I don't know how to make a website. So I just used this. And then it turned out it wasn't a whiteboard, but they just cleaned all the crap off the top of their refrigerator and pointed the camera at the top of the refrigerator and were drawing. And they had one zoomed out one, be like, not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> And at the end, it was just like a link to Amazon or something. So it's kind of an experience. And it was like, it felt very honest. Like they actually didn't know how to make a website. Yeah. But got it done to the point where it was probably better than your average website. You know, assuming it had proper alt tags and stuff. Yeah. But it was funny. I, here's a here's a here's one. So hey, let's say you want to make something really popular, but uh, like for developers, a framework, right? You want to mm-hmm. help, you want to give developers a platform or framework or something to help them build websites. Dave, mm-hmm. You know, Dave's framework. Dave.js, yep. Yep. And it doesn't have to do everything, but it could. Okay? Like All right. It, okay. You, you get to choose, Dave, how much opinions the Dave framework has. So we okay. looked on our YouTube show, we looked at Petite View. We've been talked about a little mm-hmm. bit on this show. It's, in my opinion, very light on the opinions. It doesn't care about build tools. It's just a little sprinkle on kind of thing. So it's helpful, but as far as like opinionatedness goes, it's not very high on the scale. Pretty, right. pretty light. But it does have some because it expects some particular HTML attributes and stuff. You might even argue jQuery is like even less opinionated because it, it didn't impose anything on your HTML. It was like, do your HTML exactly as HTML is. And mm-hmm. I'm just a little library over here doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Pretty lightweight. You bump up the scale and you can like, let's imagine the totally other side of the scale, which would be like Rails, a classic thing put in the opinionated bucket because you got to do your templates like this. Your controller's got to be in your controllers folder. You got to pick a database that's compatible with one of the ones they work with for open record or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty, a pretty opinionated. Yeah. 
But it, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't all the way over because at least you had some choice in, I don't know, how you style things. And, you know, yeah. if you wanted to just ride CSS, you can. And you can't, you know, there's only some databases. You know, you have a choice of some databases. It's not just one. Right. And then you look at, you know, we've talked about like Redwood JS on the show. It might even put it even more opinionated because it has just about as many opinions as Rails did, but then said, well, this is the database storage you're going to use. And you're going to use GraphQL. And you're going to write your components like this. It's going to be React. You know, you have to write things in this mm-hmm. way. Probably even more opinionated. Yeah. I think of it's- Meteor too, which was like, it was a full stack framework, meaning it it really cared about the database you were using too. Like it mm-hmm. wanted everything was media. And then there's like React, which is somewhere in the middle, like pro and maybe old school view, like gonna have a build process and stuff. But we don't. I don't give a crap about your database. I have no mm-hmm. opinion whatsoever about that. Quite a spectrum of opinionated versus not opinionated as far as frameworks and libraries and stuff. But your goal in life is success, and we're going to measure success by one metric, which is how many people use it. Mm-hmm. What would you do? If for, it seems like it would have to be open source, right? Because you're never going to get mad usership with closed know, source. Right? You got like Flickety, but you know that's or, true. Or like, but is it how is it wildly successful, or is it just kind? Yeah, of Yeah, and maybe that's still open source. Yeah, I mean, there's like the Microsoft license. Word or whatever. I know that's not websites, but it's not like closed source can't be huge because it can. Right, yeah. Okay. But as far as f- website frameworks. I mean, mm. Open source, I think, for websites, like, right? Like, because that's, we're before the show talking about trust, but like, you know, you need like a trust bucket. And and I think Ooh. in the in open source says, hey, you can browse all my code. Right. Um, so I think open source is kind of critical, you know, unless I, I, I love the trust angle because it's like, that's why if Google drops a new framework, like it or not, a lot of people trust the big name behind stuff. And that's why when it. you're just some solo developer and you try to drop a framework, even if, even if it's certifiably genius, you don't have, you, you've earned zero trust points. Nobody, right. nobody you, trusts you. You got to build it. And so you have to have trust kind of coming into it. I mean, and, uh, you know, that's Facebook, very popular. Mm -hmm. You know, they offer a lot of tools, you know, React, Jest, like these are all Facebook projects. Uh, GraphQL was, I think it's moved on or something, but it originally was a Facebook thing. Like these are, you know, people jumped on it because they were just like, oh, Facebook uses it. Facebook's big. I'm going to use this. Now maybe that trust is kind of kicking them because like the governance of React and stuff like that is kind of tied to Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. Long story. One way to get trust is to just be open source and and say, I know I'm writing code, you're installing it, here it is. Like it's all open. Yeah. Check it out if you need to. So Right. And I think the open source means that you can put a license on it such the people who really need to care about that, which is most people, I'd say, that you can put that license on it such that they can use it and not, you know, have to have the red tape of, are we paying for it? Is this okay? No, I mean, yeah, I think. But on the opinionated scale, where would you go? Would you try to pull it light or would you go like heavy, heavy, heavy? You know, I think if I'm going for mass adoption, I would be pretty light in the opinions. And if I was 
going for utility, I would probably be heavy in the opinions, if that makes sense. Mm. But sometimes, like you said, that, that can be a foot gun that can come back and bite you. You know, I like Redwood. Um, I don't use React, but that would be a tool I would reach for. It's sort of like next with more rules, sort of, mm. is how I'd put it. Um, and I would consider using it just because I, I like that cell part of of Redwood, where it's sort of like, hey, all your components, they're going to have a loading state. They're going to have a, yeah. a success state and an indeterminate state um, and an error state, I think. But I think, like, for me, that's like very forward thinking and I would like to have that constraint or that uh, convention in place. I like conventions. I'm generally somebody who likes conventions. I like rails. Rails was awesome. You know, uh, it had some memory problems and gem breakages were brutal, but like there was a lot to like from a developer perspective about rails. I did not have to worry about like authentication or user system. You just gem install device and it's like there, right? Mm-hmm. Like the whole entire user system. I'm currently like yeah, you can't argue user. that that was successful. So right, so that's right. great it, to have those success. opinions. Twitter, even things like Bootstrap <laughs> or whatever, even Tailwind, they're helping you make choices. So there's a lot of evidence that developers like being told what to do. I I think it eliminates so many micro choices you have to make along the way. I mean, I'm using Nuxt, which is pretty high on the convention high on the pre-made decisions level sure, yeah such that like in the last next at next nation which is a conference that just happened a lot of questions were like why should i use next instead of view three or with v you know and you know mm. it's a good question because they seem to do the similar thing they do static compilation of things but next has is just sort of a group of conventions and stuff around programming patterns and and so in view uh, view programming pattern. So, is there some nuance to this? Like, if Newt or next Newt, wow, maybe they should Newt Gingrich. Next. No, no. Yeah. Newt. Newt could be the next uh, next. Yeah, form, next four. No one, no one has Newt. You know. No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's, it's the logo makes itself. But there's always kind of ways to break out, right? It's like you can do routing this way, but if you want to do your own writing routing, go ahead. So, is that like the the escape hatch here is that, you know, opinionated is good, but you can always not use the opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably it. I mean, but that's just like, I, Dave Rupert don't want to write a router, you know, I don't even want to <laughs> figure out how to in put view router inside a very big view project. You know, like I just, I want yeah. somebody to do that for me. If I'm going to go into a framework, mm-hmm. if I'm not, going to go into a framework or have deemed I don't need to, then I'm just going to, whatever, I'm going to file system route, you know? So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay. So, but I think opinionated is good, but you'd go light, even though you like go light for mass adoption, just because I feel like that, that there's this thing. Do you, did you ever read Scott McLeod's understanding comics? Did you ever? Absolutely. So remember when he was talking about the like level of detail and how people, like you have like a Charlie Brown face or a smiley face on the left. And then you have like a Charlie Brown face and then you have like a, you know, like a Calvin and Hobbes or something, Calvin and Hobbes. And oh then you have like full on Superman from the 1930s, like ultra detailed, you know, grizzled yeah. face, you know, uh, there's, there's this 
weird projection thing that our brains do where you see the Superman, the fully detailed picture, and you're like, I don't know that guy. Or I know that guy. That guy's Brent. Brent was in my college dorm room. We know mm. each other. Like, he's weird. You know, like, I already have a okay. feeling. But when it's the Charlie Brown face or even the just whatever circle with two dots and a smile. Yeah. You're able to like project yourself onto that face. You can say, Hey, that's kind of me. And so Mm -hmm. there's, so I think when you're vague is the point I'm trying to make when you're vague, I think you can get a lot of people to project or see what they can do with that in in that, that vagueness works for you. Interesting. And what can, can you draw one parallel to a technology with the vagueness, I think about view right now. You know, we, over in the d- 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 Discord, we've been having like discussions about like, hey, like this petite view is a lot like Alpine. Hey, this other like view has like a new like static compilation thing that's a lot like Astro. You know, <laughs> and so like Evan Yu is doing a lot of stuff with view that you we're kind of like, hey, this looks like this other project. I think that's cool. I think it's a, this like big flex that view is doing like, Hey, view is set up and built in such a way now with view three and all its component system, reactivity systems all broken out that it can actually take different shapes. It can become different things. And so I think like view is doing a pretty good job of like, Hey, this does different things. It's a, you know, it's a, a tool, but it kind of does different things. So yeah, does that speak to extensibility too? I guess that's similar to ejecting is that you could go, it's almost like a different spectrum because you could go light or heavy, but still have it be very extensible or not extensible at all. Yeah, yeah. I could mm. kind of like make my own view project, Newt, uh, and, <laughs> you know, and I'm going to make Newt with like the view reactivity system and then I don't even know, whatever. Yeah, so, isn't there is it's I, I've definitely seen products that promise pluggability where nobody cares also. So that's yet another spectrum is like, cool, you made it extensible, but did you do a good job of making it extensible? Is it like attractively extensible? Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. or is it not so much? Like, you know? do you want to build on it? You know, and that's that's the thing, is like when you show this, do do people's brains kind of get working? Like, oh, I could use this. Oh, I could I think that's like Svelte is is really, you know, they they the compiler does like too much maybe for me, right? Like it's on the like, oh, it's doing too much side of things. Okay. But, but when you look at like a Svelte component, it is so simple to read. It is so easy to understand what's going on because it's like let counter and then counter plus plus. And that's how right. you make an incrementer. That's- I almost need to unlearn that stuff because I saw you <laughs> being very excited about that the other day, especially in comparison to how even really simple state in React is handled where you have to use use state and, you you know, you have use to use the function to option yeah. the stuff, which is so embedded into my brain that I'm like, I like it. It doesn't mm-hmm. like makes a certain amount of sense to me, especially because when you are that explicit about it and let's say I have a counter and a set counter and then I pass set counter to a child and I use set counter in the child, what I'm also saying is when that changes re-render anywhere that needs that state that I'm also passing around and that I, I like that where I'm like, now that I have counter, 
and I update counter, how do I like pass that around and know what's going to happen when I do pass it around? Mm-hmm. Like it's less, yeah. I just, that, because there's no ceremony at all, it makes me understand it less. Yeah, that, no, and that's, I think, the critique is, like, the too much auto magic. And that was one of Rails's critiques, you know? And like, it kind of does too much, you know? Or, right. Like, because you could, like, gem install responsive yeah, weekly at CodePen still and, 10 years later. Or, like, ooh, a little too magical there, Rails. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that weird? You're like, yeah. you made my job too But you easy. change as a company. It's not, it's not that yeah. Rails changed necessarily. It's that our needs and demands have altered as well. Sometimes you want the magic because you're two people and you don't have freaking time to screw around with everything under the sun, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and I think Rails has kind of increased its opinions, you know, it's asset pipeline, how we're going to do this. We're using Webpack. And then I think they just said, we're not using Webpack, you know, mm. and then a lot of people, and they were using Spring for a while, you know, um, I don't even know if that's still going, but there's like a lot of posts about like how to undo every rails default, you know, <laughs> like set this config to no, 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 you know? So, yeah. So it seems weird when they, yeah, I think they're headed towards tailwind and you're like, well, that's going to get really weird then. So see that in, mm. that would be a situation I, you know, not beefing with tailwind, but it's not my flavor, but it would, that would be like a, Oh man, that's not fun for me. Like that. This is a lot to undo now if everything's using Tailwind, you know. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by HubSpot. Whether you're launching your business or ready to take things to the next level, building a seamless digital experience for your customers is a great place to start. But picking a CMS that integrates your website and the marketing tools can be tricky. Cobbling together potentially unreliable plugins often isn't ideal. Uh, At HubSpot, they're thrilled to introduce CMS Hub Starter, a simple but scalable content management system built on top of their CRM platform for businesses that want to generate leads through their website. So at $25 a month, CMS Hub Starter comes out of the box with all the standard features needed for a fast, secure, reliable site. Plus, they handle platform management so you can spend more time developing remarkable experiences. Learn more at hubspotdev.co slash CMS Hub. I had a weird one. So we use their asset pipeline still. I, this is just an interesting because it's a spotlight into how things get weird sometimes. The asset pipeline can help you run SaaS, right? But we, but it's old Ruby SaaS. I don't think there's a, I think there's discussion and it hasn't gone anywhere of Rails moving up to Dart SaaS, the canonical mm-hmm. SaaS. It's not, it's not there yet. And eventually that becomes untenable, you know, like that's, it's too old. Ruby SaaS is, ancient already yeah yeah so what's gonna happen i don't know right but fine and okay whatever it's, it's built into the asset pipeline that didn't turn out to be a big problem for us but then asset pipeline can also decide to compress your css too right um not just process the SAS, but then also minify it, remove the comments, remove the white space and all that stuff. And it turns out Asset Pipeline just uses SAS to do that also, which makes sense because that's one of the output modes for SAS is a compressed mode. But it doesn't just run your SAS in compressed mode, which would like make logical sense to me. It runs your SAS, 
And then later in the asset pipeline, it runs SAS again to minify it. And it's hmm. usually fine because the output of SAS is SAS compatible, you know? So it just, it runs yeah, twice. Yeah. Maybe not as efficient as it could be, but right. it seems okay. But SAS has an HSL function in it that it takes over your HSL and does something. Hence that, uh, you know, okay. yeah, yeah, obnoxious. So we're like, okay, don't do that because we're going to pass this custom property to HSL, which is not what it expects, you know? So we'll just do the thing where we wrap it in like a Octothorpe, Curly yep. brace, HSL, leave me the hell alone, escape, hatch. But then it would bug out when we push to production and it would say, HSL's not a function or it doesn't have the correct parameters. It's because it was running SAS twice. So it would rip off the escaping and then run again. And, and it was just a very insidiously weird bug to figure out. Mm-hmm. And we had to just tell it, okay, Rails, don't use SAS to compress. Just do nothing, actually because our Cloudflare already compresses CSS on the way out, yeah. so just leave it alone, which sped up our build process a little bit. That's the kind of crap you have to fight with. And but I yeah, hate. now you got Cloudflare dependency, which you probably already had for other reasons, but now you have No, I almost prefer it. Like, so. that's acceptable to me. Even um, shipping non-compressed CSS is almost acceptable to me. It's, like, not amazing, but it's, G- it's Brotly anyway. Mm-hmm. So, like, the savings that you get from Brotly are, like, 10x the tiny amount you get from from not compressing before you broadly it's 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 be, it's still better to compress so you might as well do it but in the in the grand scheme of things it's really not that big of a deal mm-hmm. okay that was a lot sorry well, so i was gonna say like another example would be like 11 love 11 yeah. i'm a 16 million dollar investor it's fine you know just giving them money five dollars a month over the next 300 years yep um you know, it, it is not opinionated on your templating language, which was like its very strong, like strongest power. You know, it says whatever you want to do, like write a little adapter and spin mm-hmm. through. And but it's not also not opinionated on SAS and JS compilation and asset bundling and stuff like that. And that's a feature I could use. You know, so it's like I love the unopinionatedness, but then that there's also a feature I could use, and I think they're all working on it or whatever. I, I don't want to. I don't but. know. Yeah, it seems like there's I also on an eleven D lover, and and probably wouldn't even if I was the new CEO of eleven D, I wouldn't say we're changing course. You know, opinions are going to get thicker around here. I'd probably leave it the way it is, but I think I would ship blessed solutions for all popular crap that people want to do. Right. Like right. all of them. And no. I don't know if that's a good use of resources or not, but I think it's too light and it it's just like not great to me that you have to like BYO all the time with every other thing you want to do with your website. No, I think that's, I think like just sort of the thing. And that's, you know, Astro is kind of attractive because it does all the compilation, the Veet style, yes, building and stuff like that. But you only get what they offer. Let's say you, you want to use stylus or something. Too yeah. bad, then you can't. You know, you and that's that's the, the bummer. Weirdo uh, <laughs> astro yeah. dot files or whatever dot astro file, which again are great. It's like a single file component kind of thing. But yeah, it's where we where do you fall? Where's your sweet spot on opinionated really versus not opinionated? I I lean, I think I lean more towards opinionated because I think it's easier to build. Mm-hmm. opinions it's like taking a 
taking a bolder swing at things to be like, mm-hmm. this is how this is good, I think. And you should try to do it like this. And if you don't like it, that's okay because the web's a big place and you can just use something else. Right. But these are my opinions. So maybe you'll like them too. I like the solve people's problems. I mean, you know, you think about React itself came out with some big opinions, like we're going to do everything in JavaScript, you know? Um, and I mean, you could argue the exact know. opposite, though, that they don't help you with, like they just help you with this slim layer of stuff. Uh, yeah. But it's at the core, so you want it to do more. Like that's the thing with 11D, too. It's like, hey, you're moving my files around, so you can't not be opinionated about processing of some stuff. Like you you say you're not, but you are in a way. Like and I'm not accusing it of lying, but I'm like, right, right. I have to tell you what files are like okay to move to over to my disk file. So you matter in my pipeline. So right. everything has to play nice with you. React is sort of similar. It's like I need a build process. So you're saying you're light, you're not opinionated, but like everything needs to play nice with you. So you are, you yeah. do matter. You do matter, yeah. And then how I structure my site and components and build everything up and pass props up and down, like all that's impacted by the technology choice, you know? So, yeah. Okay. Well, no, that's very interesting. Well, let's stay heady and weird for a yeah, moment, if you will. stay weird. Um, this is a Sean Wang thing. We end up talking about Sean a lot. He's a good thinker out there in the world of, of website stuff. Had a blog post one, a couple of weeks ago called the self-provisioning runtime, which seemed very kind of logical to me. That was like, maybe the co- literal code that we write mm-hmm. is going to like say say what it needs to run. Maybe that's too big of a simplification of what he's trying to say here, but that's what it seems like to me is that, that you know, because we've been moving towards code as infrastructure, right? Like you don't just, you know, log into your host provider and click some buttons and now you have hosting and then all your code depends on that hosting. It's more like you write code that tells the host what to do, deploy it, and the host provisions what it does, right? We're already there, at least, you know, some bigger companies are doing that, us included, and I think it's cool, code as infrastructure. Mm -hmm. But the code as infrastructure is separate. It's like a configuration file that says what you need maybe the maybe the code itself has that like on top of each file or something it's, it's like, like i'm a this. lambda yeah <laughs> <laughs> run quickly please or whatever it doesn't awesome. say anything because it's just assumed that when that, that this is going to work it's going to provision its own infrastructure you know and he makes a lot of points that things are already pointed in that direction anyway so it's not much of a stretch of the imagination to to, to keep going you know no, that's uh, that's interesting. I mean, you know, back in the day, if you wrote like a bash file, you had to say like, this uses bash or whatever, you know, or a Perl file, you know, you had to be like mm. exclamation user bin Perl or something, you know? Um, so you had to kind of say like, this uses this. Um, so that'd be kind of interesting to think about. Cause I mean, you know, I'm in this situation, <laughs> I'm in this situation made a app and built some functions and deploying via Netlify. It's a great. I love it. But like, I like we had to build a whole backend service. And so now it's like, maybe we need to flatten this a little bit and pull all these functions into the backend because now we're kind of maintaining code in 10 different places. It's kind of weird. Um, it might be good to flatten it, but I'm sitting there like, 
you know, okay, cool. I can do that. But like how many <laughs> gigawatts of server am I going to need? Or like, it would be cool if I could just say like, Hey, digital ocean, this has functions in it. Go like deploy these guys, deploy this like this, you know, it would be cool if you could tell any hosting platform that, you know, now if I included like, Hey, this has a backend server. Like if you have to spin right. me out to a third party that does servers, Heroku or whatever, that's fine. Like <laughs> just tell me what, what it costs, you know? So, yeah. Or you tell them what it costs. Be like, I'm willing to spend $5 a month on this. Yeah. If it goes above that, either cut it off or tell me it's going to happen or something. Yeah. And I'm willing to wait 500 milliseconds for a response. Faster the better, but that's the that's the bar for this. So if you can put it on something cheaper because that's fairly slow, I don't care. Or this no, needs to run kinda... for eight minutes. So I don't really care where you put it. Just it has to be able to run that long. And you just express that and then they deal with the provisioning or whatever. It just seems pretty, pretty logical. No, I'd be kind of curious because it would be kind of cool... If I mean, I'm just thinking, I, I uh, like it'd be cool to describe in human terms what you need. Like, yeah, I need this to never fall down. I need this load balanced. I need this, you know, almost like a cucumber sort of test or something. Yeah. Like, just like I, I wrote need- a link post about Sean's post, and that's what I put. I put some pseudocode at the top that was human language bullet points describing exactly those things. You yeah. Know? I need Ruby. I need node. I need node V 14, you know, like, I, like, right. Like that stuff would be super cool. Cause you could just be like, Hey, this is what and it's I right need. next to the code that it's living there. So that makes some kind of logical sense. I mean, like I said, we're already kind of headed in that direction. And some of it is cause like, I'm like, we're dumb. Like people are writing this code that don't have extensive DevOps experience. And I, I like that because I'm just one person on a Sunday. I don't have a team, mm-hmm. but I want, I have big dreams. I think that's legit. And that, and that code, you know, auto compiled stuff can help you accomplish your dreams without needing to know so much stuff. Cause it's a tall order, man. Oh, I'm to, burned down by it. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I don't know how many gigaflorps I need. Like, you tell me, dude. Like, what? yeah, you know, I don't know. Exactly. And then, like, but I think that's the 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 what is it called? Like the tension is that hardware nerds are like, cool. We got we got double lambdas now. They never expire. They just run forever. You know, double lambdas. They're amazing. And you're like, well, I want to use double lambdas. So I'm going to have to figure out how to make that happen in my tool chain pipeline. Cause they didn't offer a, you know, just yeah. use double lambdas function, you know, or whatever <laughs> descriptor. So you have to come up with your own tooling to do that or use somebody else's tooling. It's not easy. Yeah. So no. I hope there ends up, I hope some people see this coming so far ahead that they come up with some standards. Because if I could be like, like, I need a Postgres, I need a Mongo, I need a node server and I need functions. And then I need a HTTP server on a CDN that distributes my, whatever, my Nuxt app. I would be golden. That would solve a hundred problems. Remember Perch? I think Perch is still around, but it was that like Rachel Andrews and... Drew McClellan's thing. And you could do this thing with the CMS where you didn't pre-design 
the fields that you needed, you just used what you thought would be available in the templates. And then Mm -hmm. it's like, I see what you're trying to do. I will make the input fields for this type of content just available. You never had to say, I need an image field. You just would use an image field in the template and it would put one there, which was clever. You could go a step further and be like, it will even make the data model too. So it would make your Postgres schema or whatever the hell. Like image I mean, that image seems two, crazy, but no, maybe. I that's, See, that's like, I mean, um, when I'm using Prisma. Prisma, it's like a ORM object relational mm-hmm. mapper. Uh, but it, so I feed it like JSON and it converts it to SQL using a little REST app, REST client, and then it makes efficient REST queries to my actual database, secure everything. Yeah. Uh, I like it, but one of its features is you can do like uh, Prisma introspect and it'll go hit a database that already exists and write out the whole schema for it. So like that's a thing databases can do or whatever. So it, I'm actually in the process of decommissioning uh, an old Rails app and I was like, hey, this would be really cool if I could just introspect and get the database. And now I have all the data for when, you know, and so I just hooked it up. It took about five minutes and I had the whole schema. Then my JavaScript now knew like what, you know, was going on. So anyway, it's cool. It's a cool. This, so Prisma it has its own little language. Yeah. It, and it, wish, it works with GraphQL too. I'm trying to, because I saw does, a demo on Hasura the other day. Are they really similar? It seems like they kind of are. Hasura, I think, is more the GraphQL face on a Prisma or on a Postgres. Does that make sense? So you have your database, and in front of it, you have Hasura, which creates a GraphQL Explorer API endpoint kind of thing. So if you're going to use that, why would you need Prisma? You just don't really. Prisma works from the other end. Prisma would be like in your Node app, Prisma just hits your database straight. Like it, it. and it's not GraphQL yeah. technically, but you could set it up to use GraphQL. So, and they still seem similar-ish, but I get—I guess I kind of get it. It just depends on what flavor of code you like to write, I guess. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, um, I, I like it because it's a little bit more like Active Record, and it does migrations, which is kind of a cool feature. So if oh, right. so if I have App One and App Two, whatever Instance One or Instance Two, and I need to upgrade them. I can just run the migrate tool and it'll add the right columns or rename columns or whatever. That so, seems like a smarter move long-term that uh, the tool actually helps you make choices like that. Yeah, and that's sort of like my, was my kind of like thing. But then there's also like Supabase, which is cool. So it's just like JavaScript in, that connects to your... Anyway, I just need to... Maybe yeah, but then it. what if you need a migration on your Supabase? You just got to make it a little more... You gotta go click Balls some to the buttons. Wall. You get a GUI at least to go make those yeah. <laughs> migrations. So that's so cool. many tools these days. You know, I'm not sure. I'm still old school enough that I'd be like, I I don't care what you want me to do. I'm gonna make my database. It's my schema, and then I'll layer tools on top of that. But I don't, I'm not gonna trust anybody else for my actual data store. Yeah, I think there's. Yeah, I, I think there's. I think that's why people like Mongo and stuff like that, because you can just chuck JSON at it, and it's like, cool, I'll take JSON. Like, I store that. You know, it mm. doesn't care. You, you could change the name of your title field. makes me sweat, though. There's so times. many choices to make. 
No, I, I think, the, and I think the tooling around databases needs to get better. It's such a, we, we made 22 jumps on the front end of your website, but the database, even the back end and just node and go and whatever, but the back end is like still just like, or like the database layer is still very like, I hope you know SQL. <laughs> so <laughs> I think like, I think we're close to having a better system. I mean, I don't know. Same with it seems like both Hasura and and Prisma are capable of that. I actually don't know SQL, so it at some layer actually produces the SQL for you with cleaner syntax. Yeah, yeah, and I think it does. Like it's you, you just basically have in a whatever a DSL is, is that what they're called domain specific language, but mm-hmm. you have a way to ask the database for things that feels very JavaScripty, at least in. Prisma. Yeah, that's so. got to be it, right? Doesn't that it always comes down to that? That oh, it's JavaScript, so I'll use it. <laughs> you know, like that's why that's why we use cloud functions because it opens up the door to this cl- cloud stuff that you don't have to write cloud functions in JavaScript. I'm sure lots of you all smart people write them in Go and crap, but I write them in JavaScript because I it's just natural and easy to me. And now I don't have to provision anything. I mean, that, uh, it's opened all these doors for me. That's why I'm like, well, fine, keep opening doors for me. Thank you very much. No, I want to learn anything. I just want to write simple configuration. No, that's it. It's like so it's that JavaScript taking over the world kind of thing or always but on JavaScript or whatever. But I just... It ends up being like this, like, oh, I can do that. So now I'm getting myself into trouble writing database services. <laughs> so I don't know. It reminds me of, I just saw this the other day. I don't know how new it is, but Google's got this project called ZX. Okay. And it's like a way to write like Bash or whatever, like scripts, like CLI stuff, but you just write it in Node. Oh, weird. Okay. So you write, which means that you can use like await. So you're constantly doing like await dollar sign template literal, write the stuff that you want to happen at the CLI. And then I will like wait for that to finish and then run your next command or whatever. So it's, I think it's for me. It's yeah. like, you want to write a little script, but I don't want to learn bash. I'd rather just write it in JavaScript. You know? No. Yeah. So I don't write it. Now you can just whatever, do whatever look good? kind of looks stuff freaking you popular. Do. Yeah. It's already like 22,000 stars, 23,000 stars. Yeah, so if it can be written in JavaScript, it will, right? Don't they say that? Isn't that weird? I mean, it just, it's weird as, as like much as we complain about JavaScript, just like you're like, you can write Bash in JavaScript now or whatever. Like you can write Bash apps in JavaScript and we're like, whoa, 23,000 people come out of the woodwork to be like, that's cool, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, it's, it opens doors that it were closed before. Yeah. It doesn't mean don't learn anything new because I do, I do kind of I'm a little nervous about that. Like I don't I'm not going to learn anything. I'm just going to wait for JavaScript to do it. Totally <laughs> overrated. Don't learn anything new. So. Howdy, friends! If you are looking for gaming hot takes and standouts from a team of filthy casuals, then you should be listening to a side quest every month. Me, Dave. Jan and Zach deliver updates on our time-starved favorite hobby through the magic of the internet. And with our combined 80 years of video gaming experience, we provide some soul bomb for that weary gamer heart. So check us out on your favorite podcast listening app of choice and follow us on Twitter at Aside underscore Quest.
All right, let me do some rapid fire CSS stuff. This is on my brain, right? Like how crazy CSS has gotten. Oh, yeah. Crazy CSS time. All of a sudden, W3, they announce news. There's a draft for nesting. Mm -hmm. Are you, do you want it? Yes. You love it? Nesting. Put it in. Yeah. Hell yeah. So you have to use the ampersand in the spec that exists today. Mm -hmm. Like SAS has an ampersand. So it's the works exactly the same way that SAS does, except for that in SAS, you don't have to use it if it's implied that it starts with it, you know, which is pretty nice. But, you know, anytime in, like if you want to use it later in SAS, then you use the ampersand. If you want to like sprinkle it in at the end of the selector, in the middle of the selector or something. Yep. If you want to do that in CSS, you have to put at nest at the beginning of the line. Then you can put the ampersand wherever you want. But otherwise, the ampersand has to be first and you have to use it. Although I did hear some little rumors that maybe, just maybe, um, at nest would go away and that in order to do nesting, you use double curly braces. So dot L curly brace, curly brace. And that says, I'm doing nesting now. And then you don't have to use the ampersand at the beginning anymore, which looks as I like because I yeah. ampersand isn't my favorite. And then you don't need nest anymore. You can use the ampersand wherever you want. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know if that'll last. I don't know if people are excited about that. That's just a murmuring. I don't think that's actually in the spec yet. Okay. Uh, but cool. Okay. So yeah. we're both plus one on nesting. Big deal. Especially if they get media queries in there, which I think they have. Yeah. It's just... I am so used, like, it's the one part of SAS I love and will never give up. Like, like you know, like, that is the the ability to make a clean little component, like a little tree of three nested things. It's beautiful. Yep. So. Yep. So let's jump to scoping then, because that's related in a way in that sometimes just putting a selector on something is the same as scoping anyway. Like you're just saying right, anything right, right. under the selector is scoped. So there's that. But this is like scoping with an at, at, at scope rule, which has a couple of interesting aspects to it. One of them being the donut scoping. You can say, don't just scope this selector, but only scope it down to when you see this other selector and then stop scoping, Right. which has its own little interesting use cases. I think of stuff like where you have like typography inside of a card or something and you like want it to not mess with that like the typography is just global only like leave it alone don't let the color cascade down into it and crap like that yeah that's pretty good although i'm not like a thousand percent excited about that but there is you know there's this aspect of having the scope apply to the nearest selector that matches it, which is really good for dark mode and light mode. A little hard to explain, but we can do a it's, video it's on like it at some point. like a specificity jump up, sort of. So, yeah, we could do a video on it. So. Pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, like, but one jump or something. Yeah. So, anyway, that's really... It's neat and, you know, but are people foaming at the mouth for it? I don't know, but it's a big... It's big and weird for CSS. As far as, like, wow, that's new crap for CSS, for sure. It feels similar to uh, as a big of a deal, not maybe not as big of a deal, but as similar in like complexity and wow factor as container queries to me, which we had a little round of talking about like crazy because wow, yeah, that's amazing that you can do that. It's in Canary, so you flip on the flag and you can play with it, all good. Uh, But then all of a sudden the other day, the same Canary, but you cannot do this with a flag. You have to go to the command line, 
find the like little binary inside of Canary and then open it at the command line with a flag. Mm-hmm. Have you ever done that? I've done to, that. Like, yeah, I mean, it's whatever. It feels weird. If you do that yeah. and pass it the proper flag, you can get container units to work too. Uh-oh. So there's a build of Chrome with container units and they're QI, QX, Q. There's a button. There's like six of them. There's one with, you know, like, you know, v- viewport units have like vmin and vmax. There's versions of that for container queries too. But so now for the first time, you can say, I want to set the font size or the gap or the margin or the padding or anything to a percentage of the width of the container. Love it. Which is just freaking nuts. Exactly how fit text worked was a percentage of the parent width Width. was was what the thing, the text font size would size as. It's going to be like if we're talking like, I don't know, edge to edge type blowouts. This is it. This is it. We're here. Truly great. And it really makes container queries all the bit more useful. I don't really care which one were to drop first, but it seems like they're both there now and they, neither of them have made it any further just yet. Yeah. But it seems likely to me that they'll drop similarly timed. Yeah. Why not? Beautiful though. Really, really cool. They're kind of the correct way to do responsive typography because it should be, well, not always, but generally probably related to the, the card. Okay. Container unit. So we did scoping, nesting, Container queries, container units. Now there's uh, cascade layers. This is the probably the most mind-blowing thing coming up in CSS where you write at layer curly braces, and that gives it this new superpower. Like if you do that, if you have CSS outside of a layer and CSS in a layer, anything in the layer is going to win regardless, Dave, of specificity. You could have a baby little P tag selector beat a selector outside of a layer with like five IDs on it. Mm-hmm. Like it's infinitely more specific. That little baby P selector inside the layer is just going to win. That's wild. Wild. I, I think this is awesome for a hundred reasons. Um, you know, I've had a lot of clients like, we're going to build this on bootstrap. I can do at layer bootstrap CSS. Boom. Now all my stuff goes kind of. It's pending yeah. if if you can link tag Bootstrap with a layer. They're saying they uh, want to do that, but for now this is like within the CSS context only. Well, I will go edit the Bootstrap CSS. And yeah, to have a layer on layer. it. Yeah, hundred. Well, yeah, you I will. Mean, I don't know. There, yeah. there may be some compad issues there, but like uh, that, this would be huge. I mean, even just like good citizenship or something like at layer ads or something. I don't know, like. There's yeah. a lot of like positives that can happen here. I mean, it seems like it'll clean up CSS. If I can have a layer that's called overrides, that's just the last layer. And then I don't need to like import and have important, little specificity wars. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's at layer important town would be the, the correct way. <laughs> important town. Important yeah. town. And then. Because I, I do think important still wins, right? Like inline styles still beat layers. So there's still yeah. some. Because that's you know the I mean? like ultimate layer we're just creating layers in our css layer so and you know important is in in a way even more powerful than than inline styles is but it doesn't have anything to do with specificity it's just how one particular property resolves mm-hmm. you know what i mean so it's not really specificity based but i think important will still beat layers although i have oh, to look see, into that, that. Would that's maybe be a deal breaker for me i don't know because because you get into all these man you you open the hood on like bootstrap CSS or something. It's, it's all importance. So you gotta, I would, I would kind of need that to not win, but I don't know. Maybe 
Oh, no. Uh, we have to play with it. It's brand new. You can't even play with can't it yet. There's it. no implementation. Actually, there is an implementation of this one. Okay. Yeah, you can play with this one. Cool. But I don't know for how final it is, whatever. And then last one, at when, which is like the same thing as at media. Like you could write at when, max width 500 pixels, and then put braces around it. It's the same as at media, except for that with at when, it's a little different. You have to go at when media and whatever. Yeah. And the idea is that it's it can be multiple things, not just media queries. You could use at supports queries and stuff in there. But the whole point is that it's like a conditional statement that then also supports else statements, even a, a waterfall of them. So it makes the syntax cleaner when you have to like, you know, this media query, otherwise this, which is otherwise a little hard to write in CSS. So it's no. just a, a cleanup of that syntax, I think. Like an if else. Yeah, because I've had to do like min mat or like, min min what like min with 800 picks and then max with 800 picks to like make mutual exclusivity things and it'd be cool if you like could could win else you know that might be a better fit so yeah it's it's cleaner to read for sure there is a little drama about maybe it should be called at if because you know, if is makes some kind of logical sense, but that stumps on SAS. Oh, I don't care about SAS. Well, if is is more of a when is more of a declarative syntax. I mean, there's a little some darts throwing back and forth, but I don't think there's any actual progress to move it away from when people. I think when is going to win. So. Yeah, I, I yeah, I would be curious, I, but again, it's I. I, I care 1% what it's called or 10% maybe, you know, like yeah. I care 90% about when I can what use it, does. it and what it does. You know? Right. So, so now we think about all this stuff together. Wow. That's a lot of change in CSS. I have a feeling like we got a little used to CSS moving together better, mm-hmm. like, you know, grid and flexbox ship so close to each other and all that, a lot of these things we can use, you end up looking at can I use, and you're like, wow, that's pretty, wow, good job, Gap. I can use you now. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Things move pretty quickly together. And I have a feeling like those days, <laughs> I don't know if they're going to last. Yeah, we might These be things are big weird and weird. Zone. I think, yeah, we're going to get to a thing where not everybody's dropping all this stuff together anymore. There's just too much of it. Well, and that could hurt it. That could hurt CSS's reputation because a lot of these are non-polyfillable like container at container i know like john neil jonathan neil has something that you can kind of like shoehorn a polyfill in um it it like works pretty good but it's not quite the same um at least if i'm remembering it right but you know at scope you can maybe polyfill or you know Mm. post css or at nest you could maybe post css like we're going to be in a weirdo state for a bit until all these features mature. So I think so too. And there's always going to be one guy on Twitter who says, well, well I still have to support IE11. Yeah. I mean, I was at a meetup and did cascade layers and people are like, this is stupid and bad. And it's going to make it harder to reason about how selectors are applied. And I was like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. You know, I'm usually surrounded by people <laughs> that are like, like Jeb applaud Bush. changes. Please to clap. So, yeah. <laughs> Please I mean, they had a point because I, I do think it. It's I've specificity has been in my brain for so long to see a selector that's a weaker selector beat something that's a stronger selector is going to be like what? No, that so weird. like Dev yeah. Tools is going to need to make that real clear on day one I, why 
a weaker looking selector is winning. I'm already like, I don't understand. To be honest, like, because I <laughs> I copied the selector from DevTools. I put it in my CSS. And for whatever reason, my thing is not winning. And so sometimes I even I'm like, I don't get it, dude. Like, I know like, that ha- it happened to me just this morning. I think I saw a, a selector in DevTools and my thing was winning, even though the one in the style sheet had it important on it. And I'm like, why is mine winning? Why is it I winning? Can't. It was the exact opposite problem. Yeah. No, it's, there's like, I don't know. It's already like complex enough. Like, I, I, but I think again, it, we're maybe in a symptom solution or like symptom and cause sort of problem causation and correlation situation. Yeah. Because the reason I have 15 selectors all glarbed together is because I don't have scope, but if I have proper scope, you know, I can just like, like just say at scope foo, a tag, B tag, you know, H one. Yeah. I don't have to do these like five, six level selectors. I can just do really, really targeted selection. So yeah, it's going to change the math on, you know, the the math for a long time for me was make it flat, you know, make it class level selectors only. And that way you just don't have to think about it that much. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's going to like matter less because you're like, I don't know, use really light, use really heavy selector. Who cares? Overriding it is easy. As long as it's scoped, it's fine. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. I think just gonna call this out predict show prediction. Cube CSS really strongly positioned here. Just that yeah. focuses on contain or component level styles, which you can do with scope. So yeah, once it's all together, then it's really gonna rewire our brains a little bit. I cannot pretend to understand exactly how I'm gonna write CSS in the presence of native nesting, native container queries, native container units, cascade layers, at when queries that are nestable scoping it's like once all that stuff is in css is just different i'm struggling with is and where Uh, even those are just like wait a minute like (laughs) i'd love that you used it i don't know what's going on so sometimes so yeah i saw a new it's a proposal for a post on css tricks i'm probably gonna accept i just need to figure out the best way to present it you know it's that elad guy right he's a pretty good writer about css he's got an idea for a new reset you know which is like fine everybody wants everybody wants to be eric meyer you know (laughs) in a way (laughs) i will become Eric. but his reset is it's significantly weird you know it's weird enough that i was like hmm so it's it's making heavy use of all reset you've seen that in css it's like all is literally all all properties yeah 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 i have a story about that but Finish, finish. Yeah, all unsaid, but he picks one of the keyword values. But then he's like, well, I also, but I don't want it on every, 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 everything, because there's some things that are bad to pull everything off of. He makes, I think he makes the case for like, it's weird to pull it off iframes because iframes have that like default size and you can do stuff you don't want to do to an iframe. So the reset is like colon where colon not iframe SVG and a bunch of stuff and then all unset. So it was a way to like target the things, but also apply no specificity to it either because it's a reset style sheet. So you don't want to be like fighting your reset style sheet. Yeah. So it's like a zero specificity reset. It's pretty cool. That's cool. I like that. No, I I, I did all unset on a 
something like a button or something yeah. in a view component and it trans in inline style on a view component and it transpiled with post CSS, all that CSS, the all unset into like 500 properties or whatever. And yeah. I was, cause, and then I was like looking in my code and I was like, what the hell is going on? Who put, who pasted 500 properties? And it was just all unset getting transpiled. So anyway, you gotta be oh, careful. Crazy. I get it. Yeah. Oh my God. That blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. You should probably leave that one to the browser if you can. Yeah. Um, all right. So we have some questions from people we're not going to have time for today, but they've been coming in good. So we'll do a user questions show next week, let's say. Uh, and I'd also like to throw a, 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 a shout out to buy, sell ads who we've worked with for ages. They do the, um, you know, if you end up booking an advertising spot on this show, we generally go through buy, sell ads because they, they help book it and get the content ready and make sure everybody's happy and most effective and everything is tracked and all that stuff. They do a great job, but I work with them on everything anyway. It's a great company, I think, successful and does advertising in really tasteful ways. And, you know, they're one of the few ad networks that like, even if you have like Adblock Plus on your freaking machine, buy, sell ads, ads comes through because they do everything so responsibly that they're whitelisted on an ad blocking plugin. That's wild. Which is wild. wild. Anyway, this has nothing to do with that. They're hiring. Oh, okay. A developer community manager is one of the roles they pointed out that they're hiring. You know, they do carbon ads. That's like that really tasteful little small ad that's, you know, once on websites, Mm -hmm. on lots of different Mm -hmm. sites like Dribbble and Bootstrap and Feedly, DaveRuber.com. Sure. They want to have somebody work on that, but be part of, be like, you know, I, I think partially the face of it, you know, that's like, working with those sites to help them make more money and and just you know be with them but also like maybe grow that network and to be the be the community manager for for buy sell ads carbon and the the native ad network which is pretty cool they have like this json endpoint you can hit with a zone and get back a bunch of json data and like craft an ad yourself mm. that's what we do on codepen a lot so you can make ads look really integrated into your site and have them you know make money similarly to how carbon does nice all right. Pretty cool. Yeah. Buy, sell ads. They're hiring. Cheers. All right. Well, thanks, uh, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast of choice. Be sure to heart favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show for 16 tweets a month. And check out our YouTube. Of course, we have a brand new YouTube over on the CSS Tricks YouTube channel. I've uh, been posting yeah. about three-ish videos a week. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe over there. Uh, and... Join us on the Discord over at patreon.com slash shop talk show. And Chris, do you have anything else you'd like to say? Um, shoptalkshow.com. <laughs>